Welcome to the Mediocre Outdoor Podcast, where I talk about the old ways in a new way. Technology is great, but knowing how it used to be done can only progress us further. So join me and my guests as we talk about everything from canning to skiing and everything in between. Well, it's been a uh, it's been a long time. I feel like since the last time I did one of these, but uh, here I am again. Things have been crazy in my life. Not sure about yours, but uh, yeah, a lot of things been going on here and there and everywhere. And starting to see a little bit more sun, longer days, able to get things done, get outside more. Um, so yeah. Anyways, today I just. I don't know. I've kind of had a little bit of a podcasting block to where I've been sitting around thinking, what do I do for a podcast? And I just kind of had, I guess, for lack of a better word, writer's block. But uh, a lot of things to talk about, just not necessarily sure how I'm going to uh, portray them to you guys. So, anyways... uh, the other day, I I guess we start by uh, bitching and moaning, as usual. Um, I went up north to um, uh, towards Seattle and uh, visited a few gun shops up there. Since local gun shops uh, and and uh, ammo dealers and stuff that I have locally, <clears throat> pretty much. There's no point of even going anymore. Everything is completely gone. Um, right down to pellets and BBs for air guns. So, uh, anyways, went up north just to see what what was up there, what what the, the more urban uh, gun shops had to offer. Um, anyways, went to this really cool place. Uh, they have an indoor range. Um, they actually have... You can do one-on-one shooting classes um, for like two hours, and you actually get to go through uh, building mazes and and real-life scenarios for people that want to do want to do some training for you know concealed carry situations or whatnot. That was a really cool place. Um, And then uh, also while I was there, I was looking around and. found a military style um pre-made tourniquet uh and it is red tip technologies is the brand name and uh it's i haven't opened it up or anything but i have i have used the not used them but i have played around and trained with with this style of tourniquet and uh I highly recommend them, guys. They, uh, having a tourniquet, I know tourniquets used to be pretty taboo, um, and everybody freaked out about them because they didn't know what they were and how to deal with them. But now, uh, with the, with the invention of these newer stage tourniquets that are, uh, I won't say foolproof, but they're pretty much designed... Uh, by the military to to save life. Um, I think these are. Let me check here the measurements on this thing. But yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was about an inch and a half is what your uh, your strap um, that you're going to use is. 
And the reason you have at least an inch and a half strap is so that you don't damage tissue. It it displaces the uh, pressure across the uh, the skin or the dermis, the the muscle, everything on the limb, so it doesn't kill cells and tissue. Um, it displaces the pressure. Where if you had something like a piece of parachute cord or something like that that you're using as a tourniquet, um, you could really damage uh, damage the uh, the skin, the muscle, and all that other stuff that uh, that you don't want to to do Va vascular system uh, veins, arteries, stuff like that. Uh, so, anyways, the these things come in a really cool package. Uh, they're Velcro, so basically they'll fit any any limb of I would say pretty much all people. I don't know if there is an actual diameter restriction on this thing um, I don't see one but I mean I guess if you are a massive human being this probably wouldn't fit maybe your leg um, but for most normal average people this will fit your leg your arm uh, whatever you need so and it has a cool little stick on it um, so basically you you know open it up make a loop put it over the limb, let's say your arm, um, you can cinch it down fairly snug with a Velcro, and then it has a built-in stick that you twist until basically you don't feel uh, any circulation or um, you are starting to lose capillary refill uh, on your fingertips, which capillary refill is when you push down on the fingernail, uh, the bed turns white, and when you release, it turns red again. Okay, that shows that you are getting blood flow through your arm. If you push down on your fingernail and the nail bed stays white for a while or all the way, then you know you're not getting blood flow through the hand. So that's kind of what you want to look for. Um, also, in the patient, will you know, or yourself, you'll you'll know um, your arm is getting cold that you're kind of going numb. Um, so, and or the wound below the tourniquet is stopped bleeding profusely. So, um, all telltale signs that it's working. Anyways, you tighten this thing until you start seeing those signs. Um, then it has a little Velcro strap that clamps that down. And then it's got this really cool white strap on it that you write the time that you put the tourniquet on. And so, any tourniquet you use, um, make sure that you put the time on on the tourniquet the time that you apply the tourniquet the time you started blood stoppage or or the lack of blood flow because that's going to be super important to whoever is going to re be removing this tourniquet whether it be a doctor a surgeon whatever um that is a huge thing so also for the people that are the first responders that are going to be second on scene or or whatever um, the people you're going to hand it off to, hand the patient off to, or yourself, um, that's very, very important information for them because they know what time frame they're dealing with and, and if they have time or if they don't have time. So, um, but anyways, I feel like anybody that uh, hunts archery, anybody, that, well, anybody that hunts, I mean, archery, rifle, whatever, you have a gunshot wound, unless it's in the torso, um, if it's a limb wound. This thing uh, could save your life. Also, chainsaws. If you're the reason I bought one is because uh, I've been doing a lot of chainsaw work lately. 
sometimes by myself, which I try not to do, but um, this is something I'm going to carry with me at all times. This and a Israeli bandage, um, which is kind of a, a big clot, um, clot or a big, it's, it's for stopping large amounts of blood. And basically it's just this big wad of cotton, uh, attached to a large, uh, uh, like four or six inch wide, um, six foot piece of gauze. I think it's six feet, four feet, something like that. A large amount. So you can actually pack, <clears throat> excuse me, pack a wound with that Israeli bandage and then wrap it good and tight and tie it off with the, uh, with the gauze that's attached to it. So those work really well for blood stoppage. Uh, and if that doesn't work, that's when the tourniquet, I mean, that will save your life. So anyways, um, they were a little spendy, uh, up there. I, this one I paid $39.99 for, I'm guessing you could probably get it for about 10 to $20 cheaper if you search around online and stuff. But this is a good product. I have used these, um, like I said, played around with them. I've never actually applied one, but I have played around with them plenty enough that uh, I know this brand is a good brand and a quality product. So, uh, again, that's Red Tip Technologies. So, if you guys want to uh, want to look for those um, online, I'm sure you can probably find them. And, anyways, really cool idea. I like it a lot. Um, and, I, like I said, if you're... <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're out in the woods and you're using any kind of thing that can harm you severely, I mean, even even if you're out running a tractor or something like that, you, you get a, an appendage stuck in something or cut off. I mean, it just it can save your life. And and for for forty dollars or under forty dollars, I think it's probably the best insurance you could have, especially if you're a ways away from a hospital. So, anyways, that's my little spiel on tourniquets. Um, yeah, uh, I just kind of been hanging out, doing doing my own thing, um, clearing a little brush lately, uh, following a few trees. Like I said, got my saw, my Alaskan sawmill. Um, so there is the Grandberg saw, Alaskan sawmill, which is the original Alaskan sawmill, which is the best Alaskan sawmill. Um, but they're also over $300. And so um, there's a lot of knockoff on Amazon, and which I think are just as good. They are all aluminum. Um, I mean, my buddy has a Granberg, and I put mine next to his, and yes, you can tell the difference. His is definitely nicer and, and sturdier um, as far as, you know, aesthetics, and it's just really well built. It's American built. It's really well done. Um, mine I'm assuming is Chinese, but it's also a very, I mean, for what I paid for, I paid a third of the price. So of a Grandberg. And so for me, it works just fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably not as durable, but I'm not going to be using the crap out of it. And I'm not, um, I'm not a person that really beats on things. So I think it'll be fine for me. Um, I'll let you know the more I use it. Also, I um, I purchased here a while back a beam, I guess it would be a beam mill, uh, another Amazon purchase. And basically this thing is about a 6 or 8 inch wide piece of channel uh, metal. 
and it's probably I don't know ten to twelve inches long, and then it has uh, basically a C clamp um, attached to it on a rotating axis, uh, horizontal or yeah, be a horizontal axis. No, excuse me, vertical axis. The the uh, rod and the C clamp would be laying horizontal, so it'd be yeah, I guess it'd be a vertical axis. Anywho, um, and the way that works is basically you could run a two by four or two by six. Uh, across the top of your log and that channel piece actually runs along that um that board as a guide uh as like a rail system and then your chainsaw bar actually clamps into that C clamp and you can make perfectly 90 um vertical cuts on your log so where the Alaskan sawmill is cutting horizontally um you know, parallel with the ground, this is cutting vertically, perpendicular to the ground, and uh, you can cut slabs with it, it's definitely not as easy to cut slabs as it is with um, the Alaskan sawmill, but what it's really good at, what it really succeeds in, is slabbing off those, um, those outside edges and making a round log square, so, um, if you've got some beam work to do, they're like 40 bucks, and it, it does a fair, fair job. Um, you're going to want to have a good straight uh, board that you're using as your rail guide, and you're going to need um, you're going to need probably a level, like a torpedo level or a, like a four-foot level, and also a carpenter square. So the big 90-degree squares kind of looks like a really extreme boomerang those uh you will need for this also just so you can get all your measurements squared up when you when you start doing your cuts um other than that i've been messing around with those things um it is spring now so we have i don't know if you can hear them in the background but i got a uh four baby chicks here in the uh in the brooder uh raising a few extra chicks i don't know why i guess I, I'm a sucker, but, um, anyways, so we got chicks going, the wife's been hot and heavy in the greenhouse, I, I put, a, I put some batten board siding along the lower half of the greenhouse, which brings me up to another point for you that are, I, I guess you would call us pseudo car carpenters or weekend warrior carpenters, uh, non-professionals, novice, whatever you want to call us, uh, so with that greenhouse I built a couple of years ago for the wife, doing it on the cheap because I figured she probably wouldn't actually use it. Um, so, so I didn't want to invest a lot of money in it, which I found out that actually, luckily for all of us, she loves it. Um, so when I originally built it, I actually built, it's a six by eight uh, greenhouse, six foot tall. And so I use all two by threes, which is for you that aren't familiar with lumber, um, it would be the smaller than a two by four. It's something you'd use for more like uh, RVs or older mobile homes used to use these. But I think mainly now they're, they're kind of an RV thing just because they're a little smaller. You're shaving off, you know, uh, quite a bit of weight. So um, anyways, and they're also cheaper. Um, so I built this greenhouse on a big, uh, six by eight pallet and, um, which if I had to do over again, I would do on bare ground. I would not, uh, put it on a pallet. 
So I put this on piers. So I had concrete piers uh, that I leveled in the ground. I anchored the pallet to that and then built my greenhouse on top of it, uh, which is really nice, uh, especially in the wintertime when it's mucky. But uh, I think looking back, it would have been way easier to just use treated lumber, uh, like treated 4x4s for my base plate and just set that on the ground. Um, may, maybe on piers, but probably just directly on the ground to keep the critters and stuff out. Anyways, uh, digressing again. But I built this frame on four-foot centers. So, or actually, excuse me, three-foot centers. So I had a corner, a mid-post, and uh, a back post. So, well, actually I'm wrong again. On the six-foot side, I went three-foot. On the eight-foot side, I went four-foot. So basically I put one post, one structural member in between the corners and then ran a top plate and bottom plate, um, which is plenty strong enough for holding up plastic and whatnot. So, uh, but it was a little bit, you could get a little rack out of it. You know, it wasn't ex as sturdy as I thought. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make now that I'm painting this picture is that I went through with a bunch of, um, I took six foot uh, one by six fence boards or pickets, fence pickets. Um, and I cut them in half. So I have a six foot wall on my greenhouse. So three feet across the bottom, uh, I did a board and bat with these rough cut, uh, fur or cedar. You can do either one. I did, I did the stained fur because it's, it's way cheaper. It's about half the price and it'll last just as long for what I need it for. Anywho, um, once I did the board and bat three feet across around the bottom, um, and then I actually took the plastic, uh, six mil clear plastic off the roof because it was starting to get tattered after three years. So just so you know, three years, uh, with that clear six mil plastic with UV, um, exposure three years about what you're going to get out of it before it starts deteriorating and falling apart. So, anyways, uh, we were coming up on that, so I, as I redid the bottom uh, batten board around the base of the greenhouse, I um, redid the roof, actually, with corrugated uh, clear PVC roofing. So, think of your typical metal roofing, the, the bumpy, wavy uh, metal roofing, but just clear and made out of plastic. Uh, and I did my roof with that, and... After screwing that in, just kind of like when you build a house, for you that haven't done that, I guess what I'm getting at is that when you shore something up, so you you have your, you know, everything's not really tied in, but it is. So you have your corners tied in, you got your posts in the middle of your walls tied in, your floors tied into your walls, your walls tied into your roof, but it, it's still not super solid. Once you put sheeting on something and you screw it in multiple spots... Um, it really makes that building or that structure rigid. And so I guess with going full circle, that's what I was getting at is that it's amazing to me just by doing three feet around the base and the roof, um, the shore strength and, and the rigidness of that building is tripled. So, um, I know I take a long way to get to back to where it would have been easier to say just I strengthened it up by using siding. My wife yells at me for that all the time, but I wanted to paint a good picture so you guys understand what I was talking about. Anywho, 
so I've been doing that, looking at expanding the garden. Um, if anybody, if anybody wants some, uh, some baby peeking ducks, we might be having baby peeking ducks here in another month or so. So, um, that's a whole nother venture. We have a male and a female, uh, they're just about a year old and, um, we're just going to let them do their thing, see what happens. So, uh, but yeah, we're going to expand the, the garden out, probably double its size this year after last year. Um, probably make some, some raised beds. So I don't know, I might, if I get a chance, I might do some video, um, throw some video up on the website or on YouTube about making, um, making raised beds. And, uh, I just, you know, to be honest with you guys, getting videos done by myself while I'm trying to film myself do the project that I need to get done, and then find out how to edit or time to edit it and get it uploaded um, is a real pain in the butt for me. Probably if I was a little better at doing it, it wouldn't be such a pain in the butt, but between the fact I'm trying to do a project plus film it, record it, and show people, um, that has found to be a little bit of, of a problem for me. But I will try. I will keep working at it. Um, I really uh I really want to get some good videos out there and I feel like a lot of the stuff I talk about um I could I could probably it would probably be more beneficial for everyone if I could put it in more of a video format but um yeah so I'm working on it I got the logo finished uh I tried my attempt at a hat um and then that kind of it didn't go great, um, so that's kind of been a standstill. Um, we've had some issues. Our dog, uh, our dog tore her ACL. Uh, we have a five-year-old lab mix, and she's she's a big girl, and she tore her ACL in, on her right left leg, um, and we know she was limping pretty good. So we took her into the vet, and um, well, let's just say three thousand dollars later. This in two days she goes in for full surgery on her uh, ACL. So they're gonna have rods and pins and all that stuff in there. And then they tell us that within expect within the next year or so for the other leg to go. So I'm going to have a mutt of a dog that I paid I don't even know fifty dollars for um, from from you know a Craigslist ad. That is now going to run me six grand. Not to mention the hundreds and hundreds of dollars that I've spent on, you know, normal every year vet bills, shots, and wormings, and flea medicine, and all that other crap. Um, so, I guess what I'm saying is, before you get a dog, uh, dogs are awesome and they're a great hunting companion, and um, they're just a good companion. Period. But they can be extremely expensive. Um, you know, do your research when you buy a dog. Uh, it's a big commitment, you know, um, if you want to be a responsible pet owner. You know, I mean, I could easily have just euthanized the dog and moved on. And it probably would have cost me 150 bucks, not 6000 But she's a member of our family. You know, she's only five years old. She's a great bird dog she's a great duck retriever um 
and I feel I just kind of feel like you know as much as she's given to us as far as being you know guarding the house and taking care of our kids and being a family member and a and a pet and a friend um and a hunting partner that I feel like I kind of owe it to her so um don't tell my wife I said that though because you know I I take the solemn stand of yeah we just should just euthanize her and get another dog cuz we could buy a hell of a dog for $6,000. But I know all you people who are out there right now just shaming me for saying that. But, um, yeah. No, we're going to get her fixed. And um, hopefully she has many more years of hunting in her. So, um, yeah, between that going on and, like I said, actually having a few nice days. I've been outside when I can. We've just been uh, getting after it. So, uh, turkey season's coming up soon. I gotta get the, I gotta get the camper finished. Um, man, that, that has turned into a project that, um, it's probably not a very hard project. I would say on the, you know, physical ability scale or, um, educational scale of like knowing what to do, it's pretty low. Um, but it's just, that rot there's a bunch of rot in it um that I'm finding which is kind of demoralizing a little bit you're chasing this rot around it's like how much do you want to chase it how much do you want to just use the thing um and then the other part as well okay if I'm going to have my family in this thing am I comfortable with having you know rot or mold that we're going to be breathing in these close quarters so I've just been chasing it, and um, I haven't been putting a whole lot of priority into it because, it's, like I said, it's, it's demoralizing and kind of depressing. But we're getting there. My plan is to have it up and running and ready for turkey season. Um, I'm kind of excited about that. We're Me and my brother-in-law are making a trip. We're going to take his three boys and my daughter um, turkey hunting for the first time. So it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck type of uh, um, a hunt. So um, hopefully hopefully we'll kill something. Hopefully I can get some, I can just stay back and, and not be the first shooter and just be more of a cameraman and, and guide and, and trying to get these kids some birds. And, uh, and hopefully we can get it on film. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Also, we have, um, oh, hunting applications. So, uh, if you don't live in the state of Montana, um, and you're thinking about maybe hunting this fall over there, uh, applications for big game, um, I believe, uh, close the 1st of April. So, um, start looking into Montana hunting, uh, and fishing and parks website, uh, to see about applying for a hunting license if you haven't already. Uh, I think Wyoming might be closed already. Um, from what I understand, Idaho over-the-counter deer tags um, are pretty much sold out. There might be a few hanging areas here and there, but all the areas that I was interested in going seem to sell out like the first week of January. So, anyways, um, that could be that could be some issues if you're looking to go out of state. Uh, I found I just found today that uh, Onyx now has partnered with another company. I forget the name of them. 
but if you buy their elite membership, you actually get a, um, it's kind of like Go Hunt, but it's another company. I forget the name of the company, but basically you go on there and it'll show you what areas have uh, open tags available or when, you know, uh, applications close for certain states, um, you know, success numbers of those areas, all those kind of, all that kind of information. And, um, so now when you sign up for the Onyx, um, elite membership, I guess that comes with it. And so that's a pretty handy tool. If, if you guys have ever used Go Hunt, um, they kind of do the same thing. There's a couple different companies out there. Eastman's Hunting Journal used to do it a lot back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. Of course, you get it in a magazine if you subscribe. But um, it just kind of opens you up to maybe some loopholes or some, some areas that are overlooked by most people. Uh, and you might be able to get a decent hunt that way. Personally, um, I applied for, I did apply for a Montana deer this year. Um, first time I ever have. And so uh, it's over $700 for a Montana deer hunting license. Um, but I figure, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Um, and with the way things are going in the economy and and everything it, it just i'm getting older let's just put it that way i'm getting older and i don't know how much how much longer um i could do this you know do i got if i'm lucky 20 more hunts i don't know do i got 20 more deer seasons i don't know um before i'm physically unable to do it i don't know so i figured well you know what screw it i'm gonna try it but uh other than that unless i get drawn for uh, in-state, uh, special tag or something like that. Um, I'm going to try this year to just focus on birds. Um, maybe if I do go out, unless I get a multi-season tag again, um, that might change some things, but I, I really want to concentrate on birds. I want to get max, uh, max on some, on some more, um, pheasant, I want to explore some other areas. Um, I want to get him on some grouse. I want to take more camping trips slash bird hunting trips. Um, I want to focus harder on ducks this year. I want to focus on getting some um, locked down some private land. Um, I don't know if I talked much about it last year, but we had a couple incidents on private land where uh, people were just not being very courteous and um you know i i've never ran into that before but you know it, it just takes one jerk to kind of just ruin ruin things for everybody and um we kind of run into one of those situations last year which you know truth be told nothing came of it um i think he threw a damn tantrum and then left and never came back that we seen so it didn't really screw with us much it just kind of put a sour taste in our mouth for um for that spot and just like you know i'm sure we can probably find some private land where we don't have to deal with crap like that um but that's part of public hunting and don't get me wrong i'm not going to stop hunting public land because of that situation but if I can avoid it by finding my own nice little piece of private land, great. Um, I am 
I'm a big proponent of public lands. I love public lands, and I I will fight hard for all public lands. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm getting older, and I'm starting to get a little lazy. And if I could lock down a piece of private where me and my buddies can leave our gear out there, um, you know, leave our decoys in the blind, um, not have to worry about anybody taking our stuff or having to get up at four hours before daylight to rush down to get to our blind before somebody else steals it. Um, you know, all the, all the issues you have with public land, it's starting to sound a little nice. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I also think there is some, uh, there's some private stuff around here that has a lot better hunting, uh, opportunities than some of our public land, just cause it has better habitat. Um, obviously it doesn't get pressured as much and a few other things. So, uh, look for more and more podcasts about bird hunting. Um, me and Max might be doing some training and I got to get back into finding some interviews going. Um, just COVID has just killed my interviewing, uh, and I hate zoom. So, um, I probably not going to do that much. If I can help it. Anyways, uh, oh, another little shout out to uh, some some guys here at um, RMR Bullets, which is Rocky Mountain Reloading. Um, these guys, uh, I've ordered several bullets for them. I think they're, I'm pretty sure where they've called me from is Lewiston. Let's see what they say. doesn't say where they're from, but I believe they're from Lewiston, Idaho area. Um but they make a great product. Um, when I could not get 9mm reloading uh, bullets, leads, um, I could get them through them. So uh, I'm not sponsored by them. They didn't ask me to shout out for them. I just i have had really good luck with their customer service, uh, really good luck with them, and I just wanted to give them a little shout out as um, a thank you to having good uh, good old fashioned American customer service, uh, and having a great American product. So thank you, RMR. And, um, yeah, and that's kind of been the other thing I guess we can talk about a little bit is bullets, uh, ammunition. Holy crap, man. Um, it's, it's like pulling teeth. I mean, it's like fighting in the streets for stuff. And, um, I don't know. I don't know what the results are going to end up being, but I have been wanting to reload. I got so much stuff, but it's like I'm missing one proponent of each thing. Um, certain calibers I want to reload, I got everything to do it, except for the primers. Other calibers I want to reload, I got everything but the powder. Or certain calibers I want to reload, I got everything but casing. And so I have all these different parts, but I'm missing this part here, that part there, and those seem to be the parts that everybody's after because I cannot find them. I haven't been able to find them for five months. Um, but, yeah, so if you're into that kind of stuff or ammo, um, I, I've just been trying to be diligent and going from place to place every week. I go to the same five, six gun shops every week, um, you know, start to get to know these guys, try to find out what's coming in, when is it coming in, try to beat other people there. I mean, it's it's getting to be ridiculous, but it's the game you have to play if you want to do some shooting. Um if you're if you're just the type of person that 
you know, the only time you really shoot your guns are, are during hunting season, um, and you don't do a lot of target shooting, um, it's probably not a big deal. My family loves target shooting. Um, it's probably one of the few pastimes that we have as a family that we really all enjoy together. Um, and so we go through a lot of ammunition and trying to recover that, um, right now is really, really difficult. So hopefully I've talked to several people on this, um, and I've pretty much got the same general consensus is that it sounds like we have, um, due to COVID, um, we obviously have a manufacturing shortage, um, for powder, primers, casings, components of, of bolt, uh, the ammunition components, um, which really put a damper, you know, six, eight months of, of having very low staff or no staff, um, to manufacture these products, which sent a, you know, then you have the election, um, in November, which, and hunting season, which really, uh, put a large, um, large amount of pressure on sorry i'm trying to think and talk but put a large amount of pressure on the surplus that we had and pretty much dwindled down all surplus of ammunition and so uh manufacturers have been uh, basically raiding the reloading um supplies that for, from everywhere um from manufacturing to uh you know wholesalers to everything trying to come up with uh as much primer powders bullets and casings as they can just to have ammunition put in boxes and be on the shelf uh which has really killed the reloading um market and and it's and it's and people are now in that panic mode again like we've seen in 08 where everybody's just paying ridiculous prices for things and grabbing everything they can grab in a panic. Um, and it just, it, it's going to take a long time for things to get back online. So there's no government conspiracies that I know of. Um, as far as I know, the government is not mandating that, you know, they stop making ammo or, or anything like that. It's just the fact that it, it's a, it's a tidal wave and, uh, it, it hit all at once and it, we weren't prepared for it, you know. Um, so I guess if, if COVID has a positive about anything, it's the fact that it shows how unprepared and how this country lives by the minute instead of, you know, by the day. Uh, or as I would like to, by the year. Um, so we we just, we're, we're so sh paper thin and shallow. Um <laughs> As a guy told me one time, I, th I thought it was a great saying, we're, we're like a fat man with a paper ass, um, even though I know that's not politically correct, but that's how we're living. Um, we're just consuming, 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 and we, we're not ready for anything. So, um, you know, people, it's, it's time. Uh, it's time we start looking at that and instead of living second to second, start thinking about the future um, cause if, if this last year has shown us anything, it's that we aren't ready for things like that. And, uh, we're not going to make it if we're not. So not saying be a prepper, 
I'm not saying be a conspiracy theorist. I'm not saying be a crazy person. I'm just saying think about being self-sufficient. You know, I, I this podcast, I'm always preaching self-sufficiency. Uh, and if this year has shown us anything, it's that we're not prepared. So, um, anyways, hope everybody's doing well. This is uh, This has been probably the craziest time in my lifetime um and i I hope everybody is making it through and it looks like we might be able to see some daylight on the other side of this thing so uh keep at it keep with it and hope everybody and every place and everything is doing well and uh we'll talk to you later guys hey guys if you're like me, you despise waiting in line at the big box source only to deal with a minimum wage pimple popper that doesn't know his bore from his buttstock. Or spend hours of your precious time online looking up something that may or may not exist or is unavailable. Well, I have your solution. It's Rooftop Arms. Rooftop Arms is a new online-style custom-built firearms and retail shop. If you can build your own weapon, would you? I would, and I would call these guys because they know what they're doing. The cool thing about this company is you can get a hold of them online. They know exactly what you want. You can custom build anything you want. There's no lines, no pimple poppers, and no COVID masks. When you have your firearm built by Rooftop Arms, it is a precision firearm with customized parts and accessories made for your gun for your style of shooting. Not to mention, it will come with an optic or sight, depending on your preference, already mounted, professionally bore-sighted, and ready when you pick it up. You know what that means? That means you're ready to punch 10 rings. That means you don't have to screw around with more time online looking for an optic, looking for a sight, waiting for it to be delivered by Amazon. Nope, you're ready to go to the range. Also, it means not sitting there for the first 20 minutes, maybe the first day, wasting ammo trying to get your gun on target. It's ready to go. Did I mention it comes with its own carrying case and cleaning kit? These things are awesome. They're built, ready to shoot. There's no questions asked. Also, these guys, they do other things, like sell ammo. Or sell optics if you want a different optic. They do all kinds of cool stuff. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and check these guys out. You know what? Better off, get off your Twitter, Snap, Face, Insta thing and flick your thumb the other way. Go to Google. Go to search. Type in www.rooftoparms.com. All lowercase, all one word. Again, www.rooftoparms.com rooftoparms.com and get off the Twitter face thing you don't need it it's evil well thanks a lot for listening bitches so I'm excited because now not only can you find me on Instagram you can also find me on Facebook and what oh I got my own website yeah I got little technology fingers going and built myself a website. Thank you, Squarespace. Anywho, you can go check it out at Mediocre 
outdoors.org. I know, it's an org, but it's not a com, it's an org. So, all one word, all lowercase, M-E-D-I-O-C-R-E-O-U-T-O-O-R-S dot O-R-G. Check me out, guys. Leave me some messages, and you can donate now to the podcast. Hopefully, pretty soon, I'm going to have some merch out, and we are going to start selling it, and you guys are going to start buying it. So, hold on to that thought. Wait after Christmas. Save your cash, and we're going to buy some merch, and you guys are going to wear my swag. So, anyways, have a good one. Talk to you later, guys.